Good morning, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. We are getting excited for the Singapore Grand Prix coming up in about an hour. This is John Massengale sitting in the studio in Austin, Texas, joined by my cohort, Les Kaiser. Kaiser Good morning, Mr. Kaiser. Guten Morgen. <laughs> and Bob, we have Bob Varsha over Zoom. Good morning, Mr. Varsha. How are you? I'm doing okay, thanks. I'm up here uh, in this uh, beautifully uh, decorated uh, storage room <laughs> in my sister-in-law's house up in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where I was enjoying the uh, final race of the IMSA WeatherTech series yesterday, the Petit Le Mans, which uh, never fails to uh, deliver, and it did again yesterday. That was fun. I watched about nine and a half of the 10 hours of that race, Bob. So, yes, I watched mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Any highlights Yeah, it's so cool. Just love sports cars. That's where I started and remains eh, perhaps my first love. Well, it was fun, Les. It was fun. My, nine and a half hours. I was going to say, yeah, come on. Why did you watch it for nine and a half hours? Highlights for me is because my son's <laughs> team, uh, he's a mechanic for the Optimum uh, McLaren team, and they won the Michelin Endurance yeah. Cup championship. Uh, they finished second yesterday at the Petit Le Mans, but they, uh, yep. they won the, the Endurance Cup. Excellent. So that Way was go, really cool. and team. Yeah, that was fun to watch. Had yeah, a lot of skin in the game. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'll tell. I'll pass all that along. But uh, but yeah, guys, we got Singapore coming up, and uh, we've got Chris Medlin who's going to join us here shortly. And I think I know the first thing that Chris is going to say, and that is, it is pouring down rain in Singapore. So uh, yeah. if they, I just saw a tweet from Will Buxton, and he said essentially that if it continues like this, we're going to get a delay because you couldn't start the race in this rain. So we don't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect uh, two hours ago, much less in an hour when the race starts. So we shall see what happens. But it should be very interesting. But I think I want to start with qualifying, guys, because wow, that was pretty fun to watch, wasn't it? If you weren't in Max's seat, it was loads of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always it's always fun when something weird happens, and certainly something weird happened to the normally really buttoned up Red Bull team when you consider that um, Max just went nuts when he was told to abort his final push lap. Yep. Um, and uh, it turns out it was because uh, he was out there probably one lap longer than the team had him fueled for. So they had to bring him in or he'd have less than the required one liter of fuel in the tank for scrutineering after qualifying. So in he came and eighth place was his reward. So going to be a tough road to hoe for him today if he's going to clinch the championship now you know i was talking to somebody yesterday and i said the big deal is that all of his qualifying will be null and void around that so none of those laps would count if he didn't come in with the fuel left in the tank exactly yeah you heard his boss christian horner say calm down max i'll explain why when you get out of the car but there you know obviously was he was implying that there was a good reason why he should stop. In fact, had to stop, and he did. And I'm sure he realizes it in the fullness of time after they did explain. Right. But now, whole new set of circumstances. Weather only calling for 30% chance of rain today okay. in Singapore. And here's what we've got. The weather forecaster the got it wrong, Bob? That's hard to believe. Oh. Just <laughs> amazing. But it is Singapore. You know, this, this, this stuff happens all the time. It's hot. It's humid. It's a very difficult race. Over three miles in length, 23, 24 corners. 
Um, you use the whole gearbox except maybe top gear because you don't have quite a long enough straightaway and except maybe first gear, which basically everybody uses just to get off the line. But uh, now, especially with a wet um, day of on Saturday, uh, they have uh, they have to look to their laurels when it comes to treaded wet weather tires for the race about to start. Yeah, this is arguably, Bob, wouldn't you agree that this is the toughest race of the year physically for for the drivers with the, the circuit and the temperature and the humidity and all that? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, certainly mentally it's the toughest race. It is a street circuit, you know, one of the fastest in the world, very bumpy, virtually no runoff anywhere. And of course those unforgiving concrete walls everywhere you look, I'm surprised we saw as little wall contact as we did during the practice and qualifying days. But um, you know, now all bets are off. We have a tr truly, soggy race track in fact soggy enough that we uh, may have to postpone this race for a little bit um yeah it's a mess well and it wanna... looks like the skies are fairly light so you know we'll have to see what happens yeah maybe we'll you know maybe just that it's going to rain for a little bit and then stop we don't know that was the prediction a while ago one of the uh uh one of the weather forecasts i saw that said it might stop in 30 minutes but you know how that goes so but let's go yeah. ahead and play a couple of clips because we've got some clips from uh, from after qualifying yesterday. In fact, let's start with Mr. Verstappen. 2.7. Wow. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's um, incredibly frustrating, of course, finding out that it was the fuel, basically. We ran out of fuel. But, you know, these things you can track throughout, um, throughout Q3. And um, of course, they should have let me finish the, the lap before, where I think we were already on a pole position uh, lap. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I can make mistakes, the team can make mistakes. But I think it's always important that we can be critical to each other when people make mistakes, because you know these things they, they shouldn't they shouldn't happen, and um, incredibly uh, frustrating, of course. Still a top ten start for tomorrow, and I know it's hard to overtake, but you pulled off nice. some real. But you still kind of pulled off some really good comebacks. As you're hungry, it's not that easy to overtake, is it? Yeah, but around here it's like it's like Monaco almost, where it's just uh, really hard to pass. So I'm expecting a really frustrating uh, race for me, where I'm just stuck behind uh, behind people. Hard luck. What do you think, Bob? You think he's got a chance to <laughs> to <laughs> to win? I think that's not in your life. Yeah, not uh, in your life. Whiny race drivers, come on! Of course, this is Max Verstappen. You know, you want to be the world champion, you find a way to pass people. Obviously, he doesn't have to. He can just run conservatively, never gain a place, finish at low points, and move on to the next race in Japan next week, where it's a little bit easier to pass, and he'll. Uh, you know, and clinch there. What does it make where you clinch the world championship? But, you know, it's it's going to be a, a really interesting day with the rain adding to this uh, to this uh, problem. And uh, I'd like to know what the rest of the guys in the field, like the Lewis Hamiltons and the Charles Leclerc, who will start from pole today, think of Verstappen wondering how he's going to get by these slower drivers up ahead of him. <laughs> it's um, it's. It's wild. It's F1. It's why we like it. Well, you know, one thing and one thing that I liked about this, and it didn't occur to me immediately, but pretty quick after, is that this could push the championship to Austin. 
so we could see it here. Whoop, whoop. You could see the. Uh, could well do it. It could yeah. happen that now that Max is not, you know, if he ended up getting less points, especially. So, uh, yeah. less, less. What do you think of Max's comments? Uh, not surprising, you know. He he was uh, overly uh, vocalizing his dismay during the, uh, you know, towards the end. <laughs> but you know, he's not the only one that you know talks about how difficult this track is, and. Uh, you know, one of the things that, as they were talking yesterday, I anytime I hear somebody talking about how difficult it is to pass on a track and how tight things are, I you know go to Jonathan's haunt Macau and think of that, how tight, how some of those curves you're you know practically bouncing off the wall of buildings as you pass through, and I think this is about as close as you're going to get on the F1 circuits. Mm. Hey guys, yeah, got... there's a... go ahead, Les. I was just going to say, I'm just checking the weather. They're showing it live on television right now, and it is pouring, and there is standing water in the pit lane. I mean, it looks like an inch or so of water just standing in the pit lane. So it is just, if it doesn't change in the next 45 minutes, it's going to be a problem. Well, another point with regard to to what Verstappen had to say, I mean, it's he's clearly already thinking about what he has to do today. And I think that's a huge part of the mental battle is that, you know, he has switched off. I'm not starting from the front row. I'm not starting from pole. I can't plan my race around that. I've got to plan around passing, frankly, some very quick guys, including the pole sitter Leclerc and his own teammate Perez, who should be no problem as he gets by uh, at some point in the race, because the team will make Perez give up the the position. Um, And there's plenty of room for, for uh for passing there are now three drs zones on this track it used to be two and um there's always there's always safety cars at least one in every running of this race mm-hmm. in the past so you know it's entirely within the realm of possibility that verstappen can do what he has to do today and he really has to win the race with uh leclerc no higher than seventh and perez no higher than fourth if verstappen is going to clinch his second world championship today mm. Well, I want to play a clip from the pole man, Charles Leclerc, and you guys realize that that Leclerc has more poles than Verstappen this year. This is his ninth pole of the year. So let's hear from Charles Leclerc. Uh, Well, that's obviously very special to hear that. On the other hand, we need to win more races on the Sunday, so uh, that's where our focus will be. Uh, It's uh, it's great to be on pole, but but yeah, again, we've got uh, to finish the job tomorrow, and... uh, but to be honest, I'm, I'm happy because Friday, yesterday have been a very difficult day, very few laps because of some technical issues on the car. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with today. How much did you learn kind of overnight into today, make the changes that I know conditions couldn't really check out? But heading tomorrow, this circuit, it's not as easy as it is to overtake a Monza. So you should have a better chance in you keeping them behind. Yeah, but I, I don't want to rely on the fact that it's just harder to... to uh, uh, to overtake, I, I really hope that we can also show that our performance is very strong because it's been the case all weekend. So um, uh, yeah, I'll rely on pace, and obviously here it's a bit more difficult to overtake. But uh, I feel like tomorrow is going to be a tricky race, obviously with um, with the rain uh, probably and uh, track drying up, drying up very very quickly. So it should be an exciting race. Um, but yeah, we'll try to use that. To- yep. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be tricky for a lot of folks. Uh, and, you know, certainly this uh, downpour does not help. Now, in about an hour ago, they were saying that this was going to end right about race time and uh, that it should go on with the track drying. So there's an opportunity for us to see 
something very similar. Yeah. Uh. We just got a message in our ear from the producer said that the start procedure has been delayed. So we shall see what happens. And uh, we should have Chris Medland, and he was just texting me and said, hey, did you forget to send me the Zoom link? <laughs> so I just I just sent him that. But uh, we should have Chris. Oops. <laughs> we should have Chris. I, I think I emailed it when I got up at 5 this morning, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to promise what happened gonna at promise 5 a.m. I actually this morning. did that. <laughs> you just can't get good help. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's rough. And I just looked at the TV pictures. It is, you're right, bucketing down. Yeah, it, um, is, it looks pretty ugly, so <laughs> we shall see. Let's see if they do the demos. I saw an, yeah. it, I saw an interesting note from our uh, from the uh, stat man, Sean Kelly. Yeah. 18th career pole for Charles Leclerc, the most successful driver in races where Charles Leclerc starts from pole oh, is Max Verstappen. I knew you were going to say Who has won that. seven of those races. That that is a horrible stat, actually. That is mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not what you want to hear. Yeah, I mean, Leclerc has only won four of the races. He's started from pole, and he's got eighteen of those. So, boy, you know, he's 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 got to get it together today. Okay. At least yeah. they won't have many tire options for Ferrari to mess up. They'll probably be on full wets the whole day. <laughs> Uh, it could very well be, you know, I know, uh, Daniel Ricardo was hoping for that. Uh, he's, I feel sorry for Daniel right, right now. You know, he's still out looking for a docked fish rum. You know what? To me though, I have a theory about Daniel Ricardo, ah. and it occurred to me late yesterday. I was watching <laughs> him and he was a lot different than he has been the last few weeks. He has, to me, he's resolved the fact that he's now that what's happened in his career is now happening. And I think he's made a decision. I have no idea what that decision is, but I think he's made a decision, whether he's going to go race some boogity boogity NASCAR or whether he's going to, whether he's uh, made a deal with Haas. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do, but I feel like he's made a decision just listening to him and just watching more well, smiles. It's, it's interesting. Danny said, you know, I, I love motorsports in all its forms or something to that effect. And I like all kinds of racing, but I'm not going to do any other ones, which I thought was really kind of a weird thing to say. Um, yeah. I think a lot of series would love to have somebody with a personality like Danny Ricardo's. Uh, I know sports car racing would. I know IndyCar would. And if uh, if Ricardo just, you know, set foot in the IndyCar paddock or talked to ex-Formula One drivers like Roman uh, Grosjean or um, Marcus Erickson or, you know, any of the guys who had some Formula One experience and then went to IndyCar and realized how how friendly and welcoming the paddock can be and, and how much fun the guys have on the road together and, and how good the racing is and the quality of the tracks they go to. Um, you know, I think he might feel differently about that. But I, we have to assume that Ricardo has considered every career option. Um, he wants to stay in Formula One. You can't blame him for that. Uh, the question is where. Good question. You know the uh, you know there's it's interesting because uh, even yesterday after Quali, somebody was saying Haas would still be smart to take him. And though I don't think Haas would spend the budget for his entire salary, you know, Danny Ricardo could do a garage sale. Pitch well, this, well, this year, yeah, and, he, he could do whatever he wants. Now he's got the twenty million bucks in his pocket. 
yeah, you've got that settlement from McLaren, so uh, he doesn't really need to get paid in the first year. In fact, he could sponsor his own car, probably. That's true. But uh, what about that? So there, I see a debate back and forth. Would a one-year sabbatical out of the seat be good for him or not? And to me, okay, it might be good mentally, but I, quite honestly, I don't know that it's a mental situation that he's dealing with. Uh, yeah. Although, you know, Alonzo, I mean, uh, Lando does perform well. And so it's it's hard to say, but I'm going to say, I would say vote no to a sabbatical. Yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it didn't hurt the careers of Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon, who were the two most recent, uh, you know, drivers who had taken their leave of the sport. Yeah, it, it's funny. Ricardo, since his Red Bull days, when he was kind of put in the shade by Max Verstappen, and he goes to, you know, Renault, where he has middling success, and then he goes to McLaren, where he's put in the shade by by Lando Norris, you know, maybe Ricardo just needs a team where he is clearly the fast guy. Um, would that happen among the available seats? Esteban Ocon at Alpine, no, he'd probably be about as good as Ricardo. Um, at Haas against Kevin Magnussen, might be just about as quick as Ricardo. The, the seat I'm looking at is at Williams. Granted, back of the field team. But because of that, nobody is going to, mm -hmm. you know, start believing that you had a car that could have won the race and you didn't. So you suck. Um, you know, he's, yeah. he, I think he needs one of those places where he can just go and, and shine on his own merits. And, um, and, you know, Williams might, as weird as it sounds, be a good place for him to go or Haas for that matter. You know, there's you know, a team that really needs a leader, I think. And if he can get the better of, of Kevin Magnuson, you know, Danny Rick is a star again, just like that. You know, I was just thinking that I, I don't know if I was Daniel Ricardo that I'd want to go up against Kevin Magnuson because he's, he's pretty Maybe fast and proven that he's been, uh, been good. But all right, boys, uh, coming up right after this, we are going to hear from Mr. Chris Medlin live in rainy Singapore. Listen to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM back after this. Hi, this is Max Verstappen, and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back. We have got Mr. Chris Medlin, who is over in Singapore. Chris, do you have an umbrella? No. <laughs> um, I do have a coat. Um, Come on, speak I don't English. Have it's an a brawly. Do you have a dinghy <laughs> yeah, to get you to the next it. garage? <laughs> I might might well need that. I can tell you, it's it's quite funny here. So I'm I've currently stood on the first floor of the pit building, um, and I've gone to the kind of paddock side. So I'm looking out on an area that's normally full of people, all sort of mingling, trying to get shots of drivers, and um, just a really busy hive activity at this time of uh, race day, and. Everyone is crowded and sheltered under overhangs and in hospitality units, and they're just all packed into the tiniest spaces to stay dry. Uh, because yeah, it's still hammering it down, and it has been for that's part of an hour now, really. Um, so yeah, we're not going anywhere too quickly. This should clear 
um, but it was a, a heavy storm that was passing through. So, uh, yeah, we are very much delayed with the start by at least 20 minutes, um, but likely to be more than that. Ah, okay. I hadn't heard the time frame. So 20 minutes, that's a decent delay, and it sounds like it could be worse. So, well, uh, any breaking news overnight, Chris? Uh, a little bit uh, in terms of the grid. Uh, there'll be no George Russell on the grid. He'll be in the pit lane because Mercedes took a new power unit. And uh, he obviously qualified 11th yesterday, had a bit of a tricky day. And then maybe they saw this weather coming and thought, let's have a go at it. But because they changed the power unit without getting approval from the FIA, uh, it means a pit lane start. It's the same that Pierre Gasly did, I think, in Spa um, or Hungary. He did it, he did it won the races earlier this year. Um, so kind of same punishment there. So George will be in the pit lane. Uh, the rest, not hugely. It's just kind of, you know, the big talking point all weekend has been budget cap rumours and uh, accusations going forward and backwards between basically Red Bull and Mercedes and Ferrari uh, that has angered Christian Horner. So, yeah, a lot of the focus actually wasn't about on track. Uh, and now, well, it's still not on track because we're not going anywhere. I can't believe you what didn't. A, what just... about that, Chris? Uh, you know, it's it just seems so bizarre. John and I were talking about this yesterday. There are no facts. The... The audit is not complete. All we hear is rumors. And based on those rumors, Toto Wolf is saying, oh, God, somebody has to, has to lose their head over this. And Christian Horner is saying, well, it's not us because we were totally within limits and yada, yada, yada. All of this speculation fueling this back and forth, that's really just a waste of breath because until we have the official numbers, what's the point? So I just lost you slightly at the end of that, but I got, I got the gist of it, Bob. The, the main issue here is this has been going on for a long time in the sense that teams had to submit uh, their accounts back in uh, end of March, I believe it was, but much earlier this year. So it's been a number of months that the FIA have been then going over the figures and they're due to um, supply the teams with certificates or certification that says whether they're compliant or not with the budget cap on Wednesday. So in what, three, four days time. And as we've got so close to that deadline, you can imagine that they've basically finished what they're doing. Uh, they haven't published it yet, but they must, you know, they're, they're dotting the I's and crossing the T's and um, uh-huh. finalizing certain ones. So they must have worked through all the teams that they feel are compliant and they're maybe still going through with a fine tooth comb any team that they feel isn't. And how it's come out is, yeah, interesting to a lot of people. I think it should have been private and remained within the FIA between the teams involved in the FIA. Uh, and then we'd have all mm-hmm. found out on Wednesday. But in a sense, regardless, now it has come out um, or enough's come out. It's become a big talking point and um, it's going to be fascinating to see what the actual outcome is on Wednesday because of the responses we've had this weekend. Red Bull have got so defensive and and, and pretty angry and, and um, have almost threatened. Uh, Christian Horner was suggesting he could take legal action against the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari for, for def- well, basically for defamation uh, for some of their comments. But if those comments prove to be true, then they won't have grounds for that and so far, they haven't actually said anything that hasn't been proven true. They've talked about if uh, anyone's had a massive breach, then they should be punished heavily. But they've also talked about investigations have been going on for a long time. Um, you know, we hear rumors. They, no one said Red Bull has done this. So we're kind of waiting on that. But um, from every paddock source that you speak to that has, you know, kind of done a bit of digging into it, speak to different teams. It seems that Red Bull are, are quite comfortably over the budget cap from last year. Uh, and that's we're waiting for the FIA to confirm essentially by how much and what will happen next. 
uh, and that Aston Martin are slightly over um, and that they will get some sort of penalty that will be you know, much more minor. So um, we just do, we are sit, sitting waiting for the uh, the official outcome of that just to be able to kind of see who was in the right and who was in the wrong this weekend among the teams and the finger pointing and accusations. Yeah, uh, Chris, Bob and I were talking yesterday about the the actual, if there has been a leak of information, to me, that's a that's a big deal. And uh, have you heard anything about that? You know, all these rumors are flying, but to me, this isn't something where you should. I, I don't like the fact that there's rumors flying. Number one, but even worse, I don't like the fact that if they are leaked from the FIA, because that that's a you know yeah. that's that's a big breach. And it is and it isn't in the sense that it would have become public knowledge on Wednesday, regardless. So it's. To have happened ahead of time isn't great, but at the same time, this isn't like they're giving a running commentary on different people's accounts live. It's the fact that when they get to um, so close to essentially announcing it, someone seems to have said, well, yeah, now this is these are the results we're getting to. Um, And you're hearing ahead of time something that will be public knowledge. It's not to be kept private forever. Uh, If it was to be, then yes, I'd be I think I'd lean a bit more towards Oh, this is a big problem. There is a question mark about how it's come out, who's heard what, but also there's so much back and forth between different teams uh questions that be asked because they need to know uh clearly how they should be structuring their accounts or uh how certain things in the financial regulations will work because it's the first year we've had that um i think it's ferrari was saying every week they're sending questions back and forth with the fia because they're asking for clarifications or understanding things uh just capito said every meeting he has within his own team the budget cap gets referenced and quite often that leads to them having a list of questions to send over to try and you know check they're doing the right things so it's a very complex and new sort of set of regulations and i think it could have come out because somebody has asked a question and got the response of um oh well yeah this happened with this team or this happened with that team uh, and then then they start you know asking a few more questions because they're like oh well what do you mean why, you know, why are they in trouble or, or how have they ended up so far over or how did that help them get under um because in a sense if i have to be fair and kind of say Yes, if you do this, it's allowed. If you do this, it's not. It's the same as a, a technical regulation where sometimes teams ask for clarification just to get another team. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but a huge crack of thunder above me. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to get another team um, kind of uh, impacted with, with the way they design their car. You know, say, this is a complete example, but say Red Bull say to the FIA, could we create uh, a car with no side pods? And, you know, in their head, they're thinking of what Mercedes have done, but they don't say is Mercedes legal? They say, could we create that car? If the FIA say no, then that clarification by default will then stop Mercedes doing what they were doing without a protest, right. without Red Bull actually accusing them of anything. So that's how this always works on a sporting side. And now it's happening <laughs> in the same way on a regulatory side from the finances. Isn't it complex? <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Crazy. And it's, it's worth, let's keep in mind that if there are violations and if punishment is coming, we're talking about the 2021 season, am I correct? And and how that set of results already in the books controversially um, will you know could conceivably change, and that's that's just not worth thinking about, to my view. It just dredges up all of the uh, the Abu Dhabi related situation, and you know, is Max in fact the champion if the team went over substantially on budget and. Oh, boy. Don't mm. even want to think about so, that. So is the steroid why he hit so many home runs? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go back to the baseball um, word, then we're going to get an asterisk on this. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And actually, as Bob says, it's the timing of it is it's the 2021 accounts that were submitted at the start of this year, the final accounts. But of course, in 2021, what most people were doing was spending money on a 2022 car. So then you've got the gray area huh. of, okay, well, where did they gain performance by doing this? Which car was it? Which which year should we be penalizing? And I've spoken to a couple of team principals yeah. this week off the record to try and suss that out. And they think uh, if there has been a, a clear breach by any team uh, in that sense, that they should be essentially penalized financially to the same effect. So their, their cost cap reduced um, so that they can't spend as much money as they would have done because they've already spent it, but also then something that has to penalize their performance moving forward because they've gained that performance by spending that money, be it less testing, less wind tunnel time. But that instead of retrospectively removing points, they think you have to proactively make changes that will rein back in any advantage that any team may have gained by doing this. So, um, and to be fair, yeah, that they, they might be talking of specific teams at that time, but that's how they think it should work across the board to, to be a deterrent. Otherwise, if, if you don't deter, and, and dare I say it, if you remove results from the past, but moving forward, someone's car could be a lot better over the next three, four, five years because they've spent more time and money on that car, knowing that they might get penalised, but it's short-term pain for long-term gain, and you can't kind of let it play out that way. So uh, that's all the hypothetical kind of chat that's going on at the moment. Mm. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out because we haven't had this before. So, all right, gentlemen, coming up after this, we are going to, we got some clips we want to play because we want to hear from Lewis Hamilton and Alonzo had some interesting comments, apparently, and uh, something from Kevin Magnuson, too. Listen to Speed City back after this. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. CrowdStrike presents Driven in 60. Our digital world is more than just interconnected. It's interdependent. And because of that, security is a top concern for every organization. The Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team knows they're a potential target for a host of digital attacks, which is why they leverage the CrowdStrike Falcon platform to deploy end-to-end security solutions. CrowdStrike revolutionized cybersecurity by harnessing the speed and power of the cloud to identify and stop the most sophisticated cyber attacks. Our cloud-native Falcon platform protects and defends organizations against increasingly complex threats so you can have the peace of mind to focus on your business momentum, not what's trying to stop it. That's protection that powers you. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, Visit CrowdStrike.com slash XM. All right, before we go to those clips that I was talking about, we have some comments I wanted to touch on on YouTube. Um, lots of folks uh, tuning in. And uh, Ray said, uh, have you ever seen the F1 track have their version of an Air Titan, one of these oh, giant yeah. complex air dryers they use in NASCAR? I don't recall that. Bob, you or Chris? No, not at all. In fact, I think there's only one of those Air Titan systems that no, uh, um... Inter- International Speedway Corporation rents to their constituent tracks. So, no, I haven't seen anything like this. Certainly not on a road course anywhere. They're built for oval tracks. Yeah. Chris, you? I think we're... Maybe have we got to do- lose Chris. 
Yeah, we got a delay. He's got a yeah. He just texted and he's got a bad connection. Uh, but I think he was uh, about to say no too. I don't think I've ever seen that in Formula One. At least not. In- I can't say I've seen it in any other international any racing at all. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, and so if you're not familiar with the Air Titan, imagine you know what looks like a farming implement, except each tine on the uh, plow is a is a jet blower that blows the water off the side it of works. the track. Works great. Sometimes they'll have multiple units all lined up and just clearing the track. Yeah, till somebody runs into the back of it. You're right. <laughs> there we go. Man, that's. Uh, but you it know, it is so wet. Yeah, it's looking just. I I don't know what's going to happen here, well, boys and girls. Well, I so. just pulled up weather radar for the area, and it does look like it is moving away from the track, but it's at the tail end of the storm, so it might be there a little bit longer. But it does appear to be moving. Oh, Chris, also saw an island pop up right away of of clouds. So. Chris just texted, said another delay, so we may have to check official places for that because he's got a bad connection right now. Uh, I hope you can hear me now. Oh, now we I'm got you, Chris. Really, yeah, we've got a, yeah, sorry, team. With um, the thunderstorm that's sitting here, I think it's playing havoc with mobile signals and Wi-Fi and stuff. Um, and as I mentioned, you've got everyone huddled in the same place trying to rely on networks. But um, the next update is going to be provided in 15 minutes, and that was about seven minutes ago. So uh, at quarter to the hour here, um, which will be quarter to eight, so 15 minutes before the race should have started, we're going to get another update right now. It's still raining. It's lighter than it has been. Um, and the worst seems to have passed us. But realistically, we've got to wait for even this lighter rain to stop before they can start to work on opening the pit lane, opening the grid, um, sweeping the track. They'll send the safety car out. So uh, I think even the next update might be an, a further 15-minute delay. Uh, and then there'll be a 10-minute warning given to the teams to say, OK, we're going to open the pit lane, get your stuff ready, get your guys on the grid. And from there, it's 40 minutes before the race starts. Uh, the oh. lane always used to open 40 minutes before lights out. So uh, quite a long procedure. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this morning. We didn't know how much, but this could be a pretty significant delay. So we will we will see what happens here. But uh, what do you got, Les? Chris, I was going to ask you. So, you know, usually we see a driver's parade and, and whatnot. <laughs> I just can't imagine what that's going to be like. Or uh, do they substitute a different activity? Maybe the guys on podium answering interview questions i mean what are the opportunities there it's actually it already happened uh, it was dry when that happened so they did the driver's parade two hours before the race uh, and all the drivers went out they did a, a little photo for fernando alonso it's his 350th grand prix so it's like a new record he's setting so they did a, a photo with a pit wall um like pit board on the grid went off in individual classic cars which were very cool um, and it was all nice then. You could see the dark clouds coming in from <laughs> turn one direction, um, but there was no rain at that stage. And it was only, uh, it would have been just under 90 minutes before the race started and about five minutes after the drivers came back from the driver parade that then it just started to spit. Then it started to rain kind of normally, which is what we're now <laughs> getting to. It's actually lightening up quite a bit. A few people are uh, on the move. They, they've got umbrellas out and they're starting to emerge. Um, but then, then it started to absolutely lash it down. It was just, just the wrong timing. But uh, yeah, everything else actually went to plan. And I believe Green Day still did their set, um, which is remarkable. There's going to be some absolutely soaked fans. But um, yeah, the most, most of the procedures and things all happened. The only thing that we've had to then pause is actually opening the pit lane and sending cars out to the grid. Well, definitely, folks, uh, you want to pay attention to the USGP. You know, we're, we're on our countdown. Things are getting organized for everybody coming to Austin.
Austin, Texas, baby. Baby. <laughs> we are going to have one of the oldest cars ever in the USGP Drivers Parade taking place. I'm going to go out and help make sure it makes up T1 before <laughs> we grid that car into the parade. So, uh, what is it? A, a uh, 1923 Model T, I believe. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's cool. I just saw Haas F1 tweeted out um, <laughs> a photo of about uh, a bunch of F1 drivers in uh, in boats sculling across the water. So, so join <laughs> right. us on the grid in Singapore. <clears throat> so, so uh, there's a shot of uh, on the uh, on the TV pre-race on uh, F1 TV Pro of Lawrence Barreto, the writer, speaking with Alex pa Alice Powell, the W Series driver, uh, and which is a whole other story. What's going on with the W Series in Singapore? But uh, I don't know where Alice came from, but she is soaked. She is <laughs> the, the proverbial wet rat. I can only imagine what's going through her mind. I think you know, on a serious note, we need to keep in mind that the last time these kind of weather conditions presented themselves was Belgium last year. And we all know how that turned out. Twice oh, around the track to clear the race over. Tens of thousands of fans getting soaked for hours on the hillside and, and, and a black eye for the series. So I imagine people are thinking really hard about how do we try to salvage this race and this weekend um, before we move on. And keep in mind, you got to be in Japan on Wednesday or or thereabouts. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, this is a significant problem for race control. Yeah, no doubt. We do not want that to happen I, I again. Think what's Go ahead, Chris. Good. Uh, sorry to jump in, uh, John. Yeah, what's good compared to uh spa is that there is clear like i don't want to say daylight but i mean it's dark already um but there's clear gaps on the radar this was like a big storm coming through rather than at spa it was just consistent blanket heavy rain that was going nowhere for hours and hours and hours uh we've basically had looking at the time now just over an hour of solid rain but we're down to it just splitting now it's definitely eased here in the paddock i've just had a few tweets from fans trackside who are still getting drenched in different places so uh, it hasn't quite cleared like certain corners, but uh, it's definitely easing a lot. And we're we're kind of at the front of that, where the pit lane and paddock is, and turn one is where the weather's come in from. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely improving. So hey. um, the safety car's now out on track to have a look at conditions. Um, and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that actually within the next kind of hour, we're going to be talking about cars heading to the grid and, and getting a race started. Yeah, Chris, we're watching the CrowdStrike red Mercedes run around the track and there's definitely some pretty good standing water right now so but man that car looks good under the lights doesn't it all nice and glistening but yeah uh yeah we don't know what's going to happen and uh but i hope you're right i hope we do get some uh some breaks in this and this does not look like last year like bob was talking about but let's see let's play some clips let me see if the producer is ready he's got his thumbs up let's go ahead and hear from, uh, let's hear from Lewis Hamilton and see what he thought after qualifying yesterday. Here's Lewis Hamilton. I wasn't feeling bad at all, and it was very tricky conditions. Some places still wet, some places uh, good grip, uh, trying to find the perfect balance and um, being as dynamic as you can be. I think uh, I definitely wasn't expecting to be fighting for uh, the front row and for first place uh, but as soon as I discovered that we were from Q1, Q2 I was like oh my god uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe this is that day but to, to miss out by, I think it's half a tenth right? Yeah um, for, yeah like ugh. 
so close, but you know, it's it's okay. I'll I'll try. I think I've got the car in a good place, so I, I think we can have a strong race from there. So I'm going to give it everything tomorrow. I was going to say the car that you had today surprised you that it was strong today. That must give you a ton of confidence heading tomorrow and your best start of the season as well. Yeah, um, definitely. I think it was just a difficult track. You can drive three seconds off the pace. Charles last in 2019 just drove three seconds slower in front of me, and I couldn't do anything about it. And so that will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and who knows? Maybe. For once, I'll get a bit of luck with safety cars and all those sorts of things, uh, I hope. But I hope we just have pure pace tomorrow that we can we can fight with these guys. Hope so. Good luck. Thanks. Hey, Chris Medlin, I have been saying, how many times did I say it on the Wheel to Wheel show on Wednesdays that this is going to be Mercedes week? And I've stopped saying it finally, but do you think this might be a chance for Mercedes to win a race? Yes, uh, because <laughs> Lewis looks very comfortable in the wet. He looked quick in the wet. Yeah. Uh, but I think these conditions also suit Max Verstappen with where he's starting. So that's the downside of it. Um, I think he's become a bigger threat than he would have been if it was dry because it would be a lot harder to overtake. So um, just another update as well. We've been told that there'll be a further update in 10 minutes. Um, so their safety car still circulating. I think they're getting closer to um, saying, OK, we're going to go. Um, so I'm going to go outside and get wet. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think I think this these conditions suit Lewis, but also suit Max. Um, and they create the potential for carnage, don't they? Uh, mm-hmm. If we think back to 2017, oh, boy. It, it all went wrong at the start. It's the only other time we've had a wet start here. Um, so it's a weird one. The way the grid was set up, I was really excited. I thought it was it was already well placed. And now, well, this just adds another curveball to it all. <laughs> I can see from the TV pictures the there are crewmen actually standing in the pit lane looking up at the sky. So there's uh, less water in the air, but watching the CrowdStrike safety car go around, there's certainly plenty of it on the ground. A couple of huge water splashes in big puddles. Other parts of the track just don't look that bad at all. The car's not even creating a rooster tail. But um, certainly the entirety of the track, I wouldn't say, is raceable right now. Yeah, and it does look like the the rain has slowed. Uh, the safety car's wipers are in slower mode, and it just looks like there's less rain coming down right now. So that is that is good news. You know what? Why don't we go ahead and get a quick break in here right now. When we come back, we're going to have some more of those clips because there's some good clips that we want to play, and we'll get straight to those when we get back. Listen to Speed City F1 back after this. Hello to everyone, this is Gunther Steiner, this is Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, I think we have some good news about the weather from Chris Medlin, who's in Singapore. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, it has stopped raining. I have walked outside. I went. I came down in a coat, and then when we went to a break, I thought, <laughs> right, I'm going to get rid of the coat. I'm going to risk it um, because it's too hot to wear, and it's not raining anymore. So... Um, it's time to try and get this thing dry and get it started. Um, we should have an update in about 60 seconds uh, from race control in terms of when we will uh, start the procedure. But yeah, uh, things are looking good. We're going to get a race and we're going to get it soon, I think. Okay, well, let's. while we're waiting on that 60 seconds, let's talk about what potentially, how soon we could go racing. I, well, I think it's going to be within 
the next 45 minutes. Uh, there'll be there'll be a, a message soon that will give the teams a 10 minute warning, and then uh, and then 40 minutes till we get started. So it's still at the moment saying that start procedures delayed, but I mean we're going to get that fresh update any second now. And that you can tell because teams are moving around, they they're getting themselves in position and getting ready. So um, I think we're about to get the normal kind of build up. We'll get a grid. We'll get to talk to people. We'll get to find out how nervy they are. There's truck workers out there sweeping water away already, uh, trying to make sure it's uh, it's clear to race as quickly as possible. Okay. And uh, what time is it there locally? Is it like 9, 9 p.m. coming up on? Uh, we're coming up to 8 p.m. 8 so p.m. it's 10 okay. to 8. So technically, we wouldn't have started the race yet anyway. Yeah, uh, that's It right. would start in 10 minutes normally. Um, <laughs> and we'll have that kind of four-hour window to get the race in between 8 and midnight. So... Uh, should they decide to stop the clock to make sure we can get a full race in. So um, I, I think we're going to be going to be okay for a full Grand Prix here. Yeah. I was already adding the hour in my head. I was, there you go. I was adding the hour. All right. Well, let's uh, let's, we've got some interesting clips. Les, you did these clips for us and uh, we got a good one from who? Lando Norris. Lando Norris. This, uh, and, and consider the weather. So listen to what Lando says. You like to make it challenging. Yourself, yeah. We just you? like to look like we're on the edge and then boom. Where did that pace come from? Um, it's just the conditions. I don't think we were necessarily that quick today. It's just uh, these conditions I enjoy. You know, I've always performed well in these conditions. Um, a little bit like Russia last year or the year before. I don't know what. I forgot already. But um, uh, when it's like wet, you're on slicks, qualifying Q3, like you've got to take risk, but you also don't want to take too much. And it's such a fine line between uh, being in the wall and, uh, and completing a good lap, you know, so... It's, um, it's so tough, but uh, a bit rewarding at the same time, and today was rewarding, so uh, P6 was very good. Given the pace offset then because of the conditions, is it going to be more just trying to keep everyone behind you tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What kind of track is this in terms of, I know it's difficult to overtake, what can yeah. you expect? Um, I mean, I hope it's the most difficult race ever in the history of Formula 1 to overtake. Uh, that would be a, a good race for me tomorrow, so... Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I've not done much following at all, so I don't know if it's going to be a lot better. It's always tough to overtake. It still is going to be difficult to overtake. There's only one overtaking opportunity here. So, uh, yeah, I doubt I'm going to be looking at cars ahead. Hopefully, I'm just looking at some empty track, and um, I'll be happy with that. All right. Have fun. Thanks. Cheers. Okay, so that was Lando Norris. I think, Bob Varsha, I think it's time to set up the grid, and I am excited to hear you do that this morning. Let's let's do it. All right, let's get after it. Let me find my notes, first of all. <laughs> I'll give you more heads up next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a little bit more. Hang on, hang on. Here we go. All right, from the top, starting on pole, Charles Leclerc, for Ferrari, his ninth of the year on a track where Ferrari went 1-2 the last time there was a Singapore Grand Prix back in 2019. Can anybody tell me who those drivers were? One was Leclerc. The other was Sebastian Vettel. 18th huh. career pole for Leclerc, but as I said earlier in the show, that has only led to four victories from pole. So anyway, uh, starting next to him, Sergio Perez, a bit of a surprise in qualifying. Perez has been sort of in a in a rough patch recently, but looked really good in Q3 for Red Bull. He's on row one for the second time in four races. He'd never previously been top six at Singapore and only made Q3 twice, so he seems to be zoned in this weekend. Moving on to row two, 
in the three spot, Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes, top three for the first time this season, but too late to stay in title contention. This is the first time since the beginning of the hybrid era in 2014 that Sir Seven Time has been eliminated from title contention in a visit to Singapore. Starting next to him, Carlos Sainz in the second Ferrari, the Spaniard's best starting position in Singapore in his career, beating his previous best of six and less than two-tenths of a second from pole. On row three, Fernando Alonso in the Alpine, who I think had a brilliant Q3 effort, fifth on the grid for the fifth time in his last 10 starts here, and the best for his team since it was called Lotus back in 2013. Next to him, Lando Norris for McLaren, whom you just heard from. Like Alonso, the British driver is fighting a solo effort for his team because his teammate is buried toward the back. Norris's eighth top six of the season, but he has yet to break a run of seventh place finishes with five in the last six races. He really would like to get ahead of one of those big three uh, representatives in front of him. On row four, starting P7, Pierre Gasly for AlphaTauri, the Frenchman's first Q3 appearance since Azerbaijan eight races ago when he scored the team's best finish of 2022 in fifth. Next to him, Max Verstappen for Red Bull, who flew into a rage on the radio when the team aborted his final push lap to preserve the required liter of fuel for the scrutineers. He can clinch the title here only by winning the race with Leclerc seventh or worse and teammate Perez fourth or worse. But as we've been talking about all day, it's raining, the track is wet, so throw the race plan out the window. On row five, Kevin Magnuson for Haas in P9. He is the race lap record holder. Yes, driving a Haas Ferrari back in 2018. But this is his first top 10 start since 2014 when he was driving for McLaren. In the 10th spot, Yuki Sonoda for AlphaTauri with a new contract extension announced last week. He made it two AlphaTauris in Q3 for the first time in eight races. On row six, starting 11, well, he was to have started 11th. George Russell timed in there for Mercedes. He was apologetic over the radio after falling out in Q2 for just the third time this year. But he has had a power unit change, so he will start from the pit lane. In the 12 spot, Lance Stroll for Aston Martin, continuing the up and down nature of qualifying on these streets. The Canadians survived Q1 for the first time ever here in Singapore. On row seven, Mick Schumacher in the Haas auditioning for a seat, if the rumors are to be believed in this, his first visit to the Singapore circuit. Remember, they haven't raced here since 2019. In the 14th spot, Sebastian Vettel for Aston Martin. What an indignity. The last time the four-time champ visited Singapore, he won for Ferrari from third on the grid, as I mentioned. In his farewell, he starts 14th, never having previously failed to reach Q3 on these streets. On row eight, Zhou Guanyu for Alfa Romeo, another first-time Singapore visitor where the Chinese rookie outqualified his vastly more experienced teammate, albeit by just one place, because starting next to him, is Valtteri Bottas in the second Alfa Romeo. And 2022 just continues to test the patience of the Finn, who went 148 races without ever being knocked out in Q1, only to see it happen three times now in four races. So I guess you could say there is a performance difference between a Mercedes and an Alfa Romeo after all. <laughs> On row nine, starting 17th, Daniel Ricciardo for McLaren. The first pair of disappointed drivers, Ricciardo's third Q1 elimination in seven races, made even more bitter for watching teammate Lando Norris start 11 places in front of him 
And next to him, Esteban Ocon in the second Alpine, who starts 18th, while his teammate, Fernando Alonso, is 13 positions up the road. And Alonso even held provisional pole for a short time in Q3. On to row 10, the final row, Alex Albon for Williams, says he's never been fitter following his recent recovery from appendicitis. I guess there's pain and then there's real anguish. Pick one because next to him, Nicholas Latifi in the second Williams. The last row of the grid is all Williams for the first time this year with Albon getting out of the hospital and knocking off his teammate by more than a half second. So there you have it. George Russell from the pit lane, everybody else in their starting positions. Now it's just a question of if we can race and when. All right. Well, we have an update on that, and we're going to go out to Chris for that. But before we do that, just a quick message. The Speed City F1 pre-race show on Sirius XM is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Stop today's most sophisticated cyber attacks at the office, the racetrack, and everywhere in between. Learn more at CrowdStrike.com slash XM. Chris, why don't you give us a quick update before we got to take a break? And there you have it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. We've got a race start time. Um, and I, what did I guess? It, it would take about 45 minutes. Yeah. It's a little bit longer than that. Uh, 9.05 the race start. So the pit lane opens at 8.25, uh, which is in 25 minutes. So essentially everything delayed would have been. The rain stopped. Uh, right now, teams are going out on the grid and the fans have started cheering because they are absolutely soaked and glad to see stuff happening. Uh, so, yeah, we are we are spot on time um, to get going at 9.05. So, basically, put your watch forward an hour and five minutes, and, and then it's the same show. All right. Well, there you go. All right. So, we're going to stick with our extended coverage until that time. And we are going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back, we got lots more for you, lots of clips. And Chris is out there with a microphone. So, stick with us. we got a full another hour of fun before the race. You listen to Speed City F1 back after these messages. Hi guys, this is Craig Astley and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, well, welcome back. We, uh, If you're tuning in right now and expecting the race, we're in a rain delay, but we do have a race time. We're going to start at 9.05 local time in Singapore, so that's just about an hour and three minutes from now. There you go. But we've got Chris Medlin on the uh, in the pit lane at Singapore right now. And Chris, what's it looking like? How's the how's the rain? I mean, how's the the water and everything? I know it stopped raining. So what's it looking like now? Yeah, it's looking remarkably good actually. I'm in the pit lane, and most of the water's drawn inside of that. It's not really standing water anymore. Um, and when I look out onto the grid, which is now being set up by all the teams, everyone's out there, um, there's no water on there either. So it's still very wet. Uh, and it will stay very wet because uh, we saw it yesterday. FP3 took this rain. Um, and final half it didn't rain again. Uh, and yet when we tried to start qualifying two hours later, the truck's still wet. And it's so wet, intermediates were used in the V2, I believe. So it was how long the track stepped up the ramp. And that's, I spoke to Pirelli yesterday to find out about that. It's the aggregate that's used here. Uh, there's an additive to it. It's bound for the stone together, basically. 
All right, well, we're, you're breaking up a little bit, Chris, so hopefully you can find some good connection while you're out there. But, Bob, you were just asking a good question. Let's talk about this a little bit, about now that uh, that we've got uh, a start time and everything, what, what about the tire strategies and what this is going to look like? Because uh, I think Chris, is, if we can get him a good connection back, we'll talk about, because he was talking about what the uh, why the water's probably going to stay on the track for a long time. But, Bob, what do you think? Well, um, you know, Chris was speaking during the break about the the uh, the material they used in paving this track and how it tends to retain moisture, uh, which is not a good thing. And obviously, we're running under cover of darkness, so there's no sunshine to uh, to help dry the track. So it looks like it's going to stay wet for a while. The teams have a pretty good idea of where the crossover point might be to go from treaded wet weather tires to slick tires, should that happen. But, um, you know, right now it looks pretty wet. and The teams are in good shape, I think, in terms of their available treaded wet weather tires. They had uh, four sets of intermediates and three sets of full wets. Some of those got used yesterday, but um, I don't think this track does terrible things to the wet weather tires. So they should be in good shape in terms of having the Pirellis they need to get to the finish. But the question is, is the track going to dry with the uh, passage of all the race traffic? And uh, if it does, you know, who's going to be the first to make that courageous crossover to a slick tire? But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right now, they're going to start in the wet. And it looks like maybe intermediates might be the tire to start on. Mm. And you know what? Les Kaiser yesterday during qualifying, it actually made for a really exciting qualifying because we didn't know who was going to go, who was going to be the first guy to get out there on slick tires so we could have a similar situation during the race. I think absolutely we will see that. And, you know, there's uh, there's quite a few of them that uh, already are planning on the strategy uh, of having a, a transitioning track in this. And so uh, it'll be interesting who goes first. It'll be interesting in how far they go with their uh, primary and secondary tires, uh, which, they, which direction they go in that to try to make up for it. Historically, this is at least a single stop race. And so uh, all of this kind of the strategy will often get totally swizzled around when when we bring in the rain. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is going to be interesting, though, gentlemen, to see how this plays out. But we've got the chance here. We uh, sometimes we don't. While Chris is out there searching for some interviews, uh, we've got some more clips. And uh, I think I want to hear what what'd you say. Fernando Alonso was a good one. Less less. Uh, <laughs> Fernando Alonso was good, and uh, you know, let's hear Vettel also at some point. All right, well, let's let's go straight to Alonso first. Let's hear from Fernando Alonso. Unbelievable, difficult today. Um, the street circuit, changeable conditions. Uh, the track keeps damp for for uh, forever. You know, in, in couple of corners, then 17 standing out. Uh, so to switch to dry tires, it was a brave, very brave move uh, from everybody in Q3. Once you commit to that stop again it doesn't make sense so you have to commit to that and uh to to guess the level of grip each corner it was very demanding so it was not enjoyable to drive uh i guess quite okay to to watch on tv but uh very happy with the result obviously top five i think we maximize these conditions on, on dry or wet we will never be top five so i think we we put a good lap how are you feeling about tomorrow all out attack at the start just to see what you can do Let's see. I think uh, the level of stress hopefully is out today, and tomorrow we have a very boring race, uh, and we keep uh, top five until the end. Great, have good luck. 
Sorry, Fernando. Sorry, bud. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Who was it? Lance Stroll yesterday was the first person to gamble on slicks? I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. I think Yeah, they, I think they put both cars on slicks, which I thought was kind of weird, but it worked. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think yeah, they gambled both and Stroll outside of top 10 at the time. I believe. Maybe I've got that the wrong way around. One of them needed it because they're outside of the top 10. One of them, in a sense, didn't. Uh, but they still believe it was the right call because the track was drying and everyone except, I think it was Magnus and Sonoda started Q3 on intermediates and then the other eight were on slicks. But that shows how slow it was drying. Uh, I'm hoping you can all hear me again now. I am sorry that the uh, thunderstorms keep playing havoc with my connection. But um, yeah, the, the track... The track surface has got this, um, the aggregate where there's new track surface compared to the past has this additive in it that uh, holds the moisture. It's, it's basically a glue to help keep the stones together, but it retains the moisture. And because there's no sun at this time of night and there's no wind, there's nothing to dry the track. Um, and with the humidity, it means it stays wet. And even when you would expect the racing line to appear, you don't get it. So, um, yeah, very uh, challenging conditions. And I spoke to Pirelli yesterday. They expect it to stay intermediate running for a long time. Uh, and each driver has four sets of inters. They have varying levels of new and used, uh, but they all have, I believe, I'm right in remembering, at least one set of new inters, and probably think they can do about 30 laps, so they're quite comfortable. Uh, they've also got uh, at least three sets of full wets, of which uh, I believe pretty much everyone has one new set. Maybe some don't have a new set, but that's not the tire anyone will want to use. If they're allowed to, and that will come down to the FIA, they'll start on the inters. Uh, but the FIA can demand that everyone starts on full wets if they think it requires it. Looking at how quickly the, the track conditions have improved, the safety car's back from doing its recce, the track workers have swept away some more standing water, I think everyone will be starting on intermediates. Okay. Hey, Chris, I've got a question. Uh, one of the news stories from yesterday, late in the day, was Lewis Hamilton was called to the stewards for a violation <laughs> of uh, a, a regulation, which includes wearing the proper safety gear and not wearing jewelry was there any uh, any denouement to that story yeah so what it turned out to be was that lewis was wearing his nose stud again that he'd been given an exemption to wear for a number of races this year but then was told he wasn't allowed to wear any jewelry in the car <coughs> and his nose stud was fused in so that's why he got this exemption to find a solution to allow him to remove it which he'd done uh, a few races ago, he he sort of managed to get that to happen, and he'd committed to following regulation. There wasn't anything new; it was just the FIA clamping down. But then uh, his piercing got infected. Basically, uh, he had a blood blister that came up, and it got infected. So he was told to put it back in um, to stop it kind of closing up in a bad way. Uh, and he had it in, and it got to this weekend. And the doctor that had looked at it said, "You need to keep that in while it heals." So he had a doctor's note. The problem was. Nobody told the FIA this was happening. And when Mercedes submitted their scrutineering form to say this is you know, where we're complying with your rules, on their form they said that Lewis complied with the rule not to wear jewellery. Then the stewards, or well, the FIA, saw Lewis wearing his nose stud, so said, well, he, he doesn't. So they called him to the stewards. They called Mercedes for a false uh, declaration on their form. But then the doctor's note... And the rest is history. <laughs> so bottom line is he got a doctor's note, Les. Uh, Bob? <laughs> sure. And, you know, that obviously improved his aerodynamics. He's performing so well this weekend. 
Uh, hold on. We've got breaking news. The producer has just handed me a piece of paper. Ah, this is in regarding uh, – it's not breaking, but this is regarding uh, Lewis Hamilton's um, – Aerodynamic his, stud his, device. His aerodynamic <laughs> device, yeah. Apparently, he's fined 25,000 euros uh, ah. because of this, right? It looks like uh, the team manager explained that the team was unaware that Hamilton had a piercing in recent events that Hammond had it removed prior. And so, yeah, there's uh, they find him. They find the team 25,000 euros. I think that's what that symbol is. Uh, I tell you. Let I'll me, tell you. Uh, let you me get this what... right. They they find him $25,000. Find the team. Because of, an, because of an infection that was caused by the FIA forcing him to remove the <laughs> thing. Yeah. I would have rather seen him do a donut. Follow the logic. Remember, remember a few years ago they were getting a twenty-five thousand dollar euro for doing donuts on the track. (laughs) I'd rather seen that instead of an infected nose. Yeah, I think. In fact, I think I want to change topics. (laughs) Thank you. I don't want to talk about infected noses anymore. Speaking Uh, of slippery things, back to the track. How's that? Yeah. Well, I was going to say. Chris just said he's going to go out and try to get some interviews for us. We were, we were losing him pretty badly there, so he's going to try to go get those and send them in. But we have a couple more clips to play, and um, I think I want to hear. Did we hear from? We didn't hear from Kevin Magnuson yet because what a what a great qualifying Kevin had. Ended up in Q three, qualifying Q nine. So mm-hmm. uh, if the producers got that one ready, I'm gonna let's uh, let's go straight to Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, it's been it's been looking uh, positive all weekend, but uh, not this positive, of course. It, it, P9 uh, was a bit more than we could expect, but that's great. I mean, it's qualifying in Singapore is very important, so super happy we got a good result here. Team did an amazing job. Uh, my new race engineer, Max Slade, did a fantastic job coming back after many years not running a car as a race engineer. Um, he was flawless, and uh, you know. At the end there in Q3, I, I told the team, look, I don't know what we should do. Make a decision. And they, they made absolutely the right decision. So um, it was great to be able to just put all responsibility on them, and they, they uh, pulled it off. How challenging is it kind of doing, going through a weekend with a new engineer, especially one at a race as tough as this? I think mainly most challenging for him um, to jump in and with, with such a big responsibility. Uh, with very limited preparation, so um, very proud of him and uh, and the whole team. Um, good Saturday, so uh, Sunday is where it, where it counts. So let's uh, do a good job. Great stuff. Good luck. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, that's good to hear from Magnuson. Well, you know, personnel yeah. change. Uh, Mark Slade has quite a background in FON engineering seats. He was uh, with, I believe, Kimi Raikkonen, if I recall correctly, and has. Uh, He's shown great success, and so an engineer coming in with that kind of confidence and record certainly bolsters the driver into it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that chemistry is so important between a driver and his race engineer. And We've seen, you know, good ones like Lewis Hamilton with uh, with Bono, Peter Bonington. Um, Yeah, you really need to have a guy who, who, you know, you, you almost telepathically you know what each other is thinking. And that, so if that works out for Kevin Magnuson, that's a good thing for Haas. All right. Uh, coming up after this, we're going to, I think in just about 10 minutes, the pit lane should open. We'll talk about that. And uh, we are now about 
45 minutes from the start of the race. So we got lots more for you. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back to the show. We are going to be about 40 minutes or 45 minutes from the start of the race now with the rain delay. If you tuned in just now expecting to hear the race, we are in rain delay, but the rain has stopped. The track is drying slowly, so we should get some racing here shortly. And uh, if you want to call and join the conversation, the number is 512-643-5483, 512-643-LIVE. And we do have a caller now. We've got Tracy on the line. Hey, Tracy, how are you? Good. How's it going, everybody? Pretty good. good. Where are you good calling morning. from? I'm calling from Atlanta. Ah, you're, you're in Bob's neck hey. of the woods. Yeah, very, way very much in Bob's neck of the woods. Let's see if I can spot you. <laughs> what's that tracy very much in bob's neck of the woods yeah i saw him yesterday at road atlanta at petite lamont oh cool that was, ah. that was fun uh usual uh entertaining race out there wasn't it yeah absolutely it was a great day out there it all it always is a great event well what are you looking forward to today well i'm looking forward to get this race started i, I was surprised uh that it had been delayed and i just saw will buxton quoted uh or tweeted my feeling exactly, which he said, what's the point of, you know, putting all this money and technology into rain tires if, you know, every time DFIA, every time there's significant rain, they just basically wait until the track's dry enough that you almost don't even need the rain tires. Well, I, I it's kind of hard to, hard to argue with that. I, I am glad to hear that we are going to be racing, but they say this track is in particular uh, Chris was talking about how the asphalt does not dry very, yeah. very well. Something about the compound, it actually absorbs it and retains it a while. Yeah, that's, that's, it, it, it I guess it makes me wonder, uh, you know, it, why they don't have better, <clears throat> better equipment to dry the track off itself. I guess they don't have jet blowers or jet dryers or things like that in Singapore. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Somebody commented, do they have them? And, uh, and we just don't see those. You know, we were talking about earlier, we just don't see them in any other, anything outside of NASCAR, maybe IndyCar, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, why not? That's that's the real question. Why not? They, they do work. So, yeah. I'm sure they've got a farming why, implement. Why don't they have jet dryers? Sure. What are you going to use them for? I mean, you've got, in Singapore, they've, they've installed these thousands of lights and they've done all the investment that you need to put on a very expensive operation like this. Um, you know, asking them to have jet dryers in the event that it rains sometime in the indeterminate future is probably a bridge too far financially as well as, as logically, I think. It's a, it's a spectacular race. Years ago, I spoke with Eddie Cheever, of course, had a long Formula One career and went as a spectator to Singapore. And he said, it's, it's spectacular beyond anything you can believe by what you see on TV. In fact, right now on the F1 Pro, Laura Winter, one of their uh, hosts, is wandering through the uh, F1 um, base, basically all of their, they, they have a what looks like a museum and conference rooms and then into race control. And the level of technology is just staggering. So that's an F1 investment. 
Uh, meanwhile, the, the people putting on the race, in this case, Singapore, have to invest in all of the, the barriers and the fencing and the lights and, and, and all the uh, hospitality areas, all of that construction. I was kind of involved in a very low-level way with the folks who were trying to put on the uh, Grand Prix of the Americas in New York years ago. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and that budget was just staggering. And eventually, they weren't able to bring it all together, and the race never happened, which was kind of a black eye for Formula One in the United States. Might be interesting, given the explosive popularity of Formula One now, if someone might want to try such a thing again, considering what F1 is putting into the Las Vegas spectacular with uh, hundreds of millions of dollars for new paddock buildings and all that kind of stuff. That'll be permanent structures in Vegas. Um, you know, maybe uh, it might be time to take another shot. Leo Hendry, are you listening? <laughs> at uh, at New York. Mm. You hey, bet. Speaking I ask, of Vegas, let me throw in that. If you're in the neighborhood of Vegas, November 5th, be sure and check it out. They're doing a kind of a Formula One yeah. kickoff as uh, they start ramping up towards the uh, the race next year. So it's already starting off with Grand Prix launch party, party is what they're calling it, November 5th. Hey, I want to ask Tracy uh, before he hangs up. Uh, Tracy, are you a longtime Formula One fan or are you a new fan? I'm very much a longtime fan. Uh, grew up an IndyCar fan and then uh, became Formula One fan later, later in life in sports cars as well. Done, done a little bit of amateur driving too. Mm. Nice. Well, thanks for calling, Tracy. That's yeah, a good point. I agree with uh, with with Buxton. So I appreciate you calling, and thanks for listening. Yeah, sure. I guess the upside is you guys get a little extra airtime, which is which is hopefully good. And you you guys always do a great job. It's a really informative show. Really enjoy it. Very entertaining. Uh, always good stuff. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Yes, we do have we thank have you. a lot. Of, this is fun for us. So uh, extra airtime. We're yeah. having a blast. Yeah. So, what were you going to say, Les? Hey, I got a couple of comments on Facebook. Uh, one of them, no chance of a Mercedes win. Toss-up between Ferrari and Red Bull, says Buster. Thanks, Buster. Okay. And so uh, he also says, what a great start it would be if Hamilton tries to take on Perez and Leclerc. They concentrate on keeping Lewis behind them. <laughs> uh, let me things fall apart, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you then, have uh, Alonzo slips by as his idea. We got one comment on uh, on YouTube. Uh, TW says, "I'm predicting a big wreck, lap one." So he's predicting the basically the last time we're in in Singapore. The big. So Bob, who was that? It was the two Ferraris. Who would they were sandwiching? Who was that? Does anybody remember on that lap one crash that took out I don't know how many cars? Do y'all remember? Yeah, they took out. Took out the whole front row, and I'll never understand how Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel managed to crash into each other. I mean, Kimi had a great run up the inside. I think it was, in my mind's eye, I see a Red Bull. Uh, I, it might have been Verstappen. I don't know, but somebody like that. Anyway, if I'm Raikkonen and I'm going to you know, take a run up, any kind of move I'm going to attempt off the start if i think i get a good getaway why don't i tell my teammate what i'm gonna do so that he can you know make his best efforts to stay out of the way i was just gobsmacked i was calling that race for television and i just could not believe that the two ferraris managed to to cloud each other and, and knock each other out of the race i found it uh had to go back because i can envision it but i can't think of who's in it it was vettel verstappen and raikkonen uh with uh 
the uh, Red Bull getting squeezed. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, there you go. That's what I, w- I knew. I remembered that Ferrari sandwich. But, uh, all right. Hey, Chris Medlin. I lost my mental. <laughs> Chris Medlin, uh, we had a little trouble keeping him live connected, but he is out there getting interviews for us right now, and he is caught up with Pirelli's motorsport director, Mario Sola, and let's hear from him now. Mario, thanks very much for joining us on Speed City Broadcasting. We're in the pit lane. It's stopped raining finally, but this track looks like it's going to stay wet for a long time. Yeah, uh, intermediate for <laughs> a long time because we saw yesterday that the transition between full wet and intermediate was quite quick. The asphalt is able to drain the, the water in a good way, but then uh, it stays uh, humid, damp for a long time. And that was clear during qualifying. The crossover time uh, is now quite clear, 152 between uh, intermediate and dry. Teams have uh, a lot of information from yesterday, so it's not easy because also the level of uh, uh, water around the track was very different from sector one that was almost dry to sector three that was uh, completely wet. So it is difficult they have to rely on drivers and their feedback. Uh, I hope we have a good race. And these intermediate tires you've got though are good, aren't they, to run from quite wet conditions all the way through to very dry conditions. I mean, how long do you think we might see drivers on them for? How long can they stay on them for? Yeah, probably more than 20 laps because yesterday we saw some uh, tires running more than 10 laps without any sign of abrasion, without any wear. The intermediate is working quite well. The track is uh, not easy because you have 23 corners and uh, you use a lot of traction, but it's, uh, it's coping quite well with, uh, with this track and I believe uh, a long stint on intermediate is possible. And then what do you expect to see drivers do? Because I guess if they don't go on the soft, then it's going to be tricky in the wet conditions. Like Where are they going to be trying to get to to be able to put on softs again? to the end. Well, that's a good question. Yes, the soft is the, the, the compound you should fit uh, uh, in dry condition. Maybe also the medium is, uh, can work well. Uh, but when is the exact time? It's, uh, I believe it's a driver decision because they have the feeling when they are on track uh, on what to do and when. Uh, we look forward to it. When it's unknown, it's great. So we look forward to this one. So it's difficult also for the engineers. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long race. Thank you. Uh, speaking of the track and tires and cars, the pit lane is open and we have cars on track and there's quite a bit of water that's spraying up, but they seem to be making it around. Nobody's crashed into the walls just yet. So we I've seen a- races in worse conditions. Yeah, that's true. I think that we're going to get some decent racing here. They're showing a couple of replays. Uh, that's for Stappen on track. Now he's definitely having to catch the back end a little bit, but. Yeah, I think oh, we're going to get some racing here. It looks like the countdown is now 36 minutes, so we should get some cars on track here. All right, you know what? Well, it, Go ahead, Bob. Well, I was about to say it, it's it's a bit like what I described before with the CrowdStrike safety car on track. There's places on the track where you get big rooster tails off the cars, but there's others where you get hardly any, so it's it's definitely mixed conditions out there, and I'm sure will be for the entirety of the race. Well, one thing that struck me about what Mario Isola said from Pirelli just then is that 20 laps on those tires, which normally you wouldn't think that that's, you've got rain coming down, continuing to put water down to keep those tires cool. But the way this track is with the moisture, the way it holds moisture, 
is that 20 laps. That's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But all right, let's go ahead and get a quick break. And when we come back, we've got more to talk about. We've got a few more clips to play. And we'll, I'm sure we'll have some more interviews from Chris. You listen to Speed City F1 back after this. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. Les, are you like me that you remember where we actually got every one of those bumpers? I remember exactly where we were standing when we interviewed David Hobbs, yeah. right there at the doorway at Coda to the Media Center. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, four years ago. It's one of those things, you know, it's great to have, uh, you know, here we are celebrating 10 years plus now, and, uh, all the folks that we've admired before we got into this, and here we are with them. <laughs> hey, I, I'm pointing of, at Bob. Uh, speaking of that list, I, I was just about to say that. Uh, Bob, you're watching uh, F1 TV Pro, and you've seen mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, on-track action and off-track action. What are you seeing? Well, everybody is out there on intermediates right now, and uh, one of the things that we rarely see in Formula One, but it's a part of the rule book, is – you don't have to go directly to the grid as a driver. If you want to do multiple laps, you have to go down the pit lane, but then you can go back out. Um, we just saw Max Verstappen overshoot a corner, uh, and he's on the intermediates, but we also saw some full wets with the blue Pirelli stripe around the, uh, around the sidewall being handled in one of the pits. So I yeah. don't know if anybody is going to experiment with full wets or or stick with the intermediates. We heard Mario Isola say that the intermediates were the way to go. Um, but watching right now, the straightaway in particular shows very little sign of of heavy residual water. So um, yeah, I'd say intermediates are the tire to be on. And again, it's a it's a mixed bag, and it's going to drive the drivers nuts. It's that uh, irony of motorsports is that the the best fun watching is often the most difficult time for the drivers mentally and physically. But um, this this race is going to be an all-day sucker, no question about it. Yeah, well, we're 30 minutes away, so the cars are out on track and formation lap, and, and uh, we're seeing some shots. There's definitely plenty of moisture still on the track, so... Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting. All right, Les, we have a couple more interviews. You're saying we ought to we ought to hear after qualifying. We ought to hear Sebastian Vettel next. Is that yeah, right? yeah, Vettel. Uh, Vettel's very low key nowadays, and uh, but still delivers a lot of a lot of interesting takes. And some of it's not necessarily what he says. So uh, yeah, let's hear from Vettel. Well, now we know the result. No, <laughs> but we tried. It's a shame because I think we could have easily gotten to Q3 with another set. Of interest, that would have been the safe option. In terms of the underlying pace of the car, I know it's tricky to overtake around here, but how are you feeling about tomorrow? Well, we see. I think race pace looked quite good, but um, yeah, we'll see what we can we can do. I mean, it's quite far back. It will be difficult. Not so easy to pass, but hopefully there's some rain. Hopefully there's some rain. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Got Boxed. it. Box ticked. Yeah, yeah, it's something else. And then, you know, some of the things that's interesting of all people, uh, Daniel Ricardo is, uh, you know, he wants it rain or he wants it dry, but not in between. I'm, I'm curious about that because I think of his skill having been there so much that, uh, you know, he's, he knows what this is like and ought to be able to handle anything in between the, the monsoon and the desert version of the track. <laughs> well, let's hear from Daniel Ricardo. Well, being, 
Yeah, let's hear from Daniel right after qualifying. Yeah, I mean, the yesterday was certainly a struggle. Um, no, no denying that. So we, we made a lot of changes overnight and obviously very different conditions today. But getting out into P3, I felt actually we were in a more reasonable spot. I felt like we were good enough to, you know, fight for whatever, the, the top 10 uh, or thereabouts. So like back in a respectable spot, let's say. So then uh, we basically just sent it for qualifying and um, obviously the track dried a bit, but otherwise not, not really much else. And just in those conditions, especially as the track dried more and more, I, I could just feel it that we, we couldn't extract uh, much more lap time. So yeah, um, obviously Q1's disappointing, but I'm more, like personally more disappointed that it was quite different to a couple hours ago and couldn't, uh, couldn't quite uh, get, get what I wanted out of it. So if it's dry tomorrow, I guess what you kind of learned earlier and overnight might make you feel a little bit more optimistic about tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, for the dry, we don't know. Obviously, so like from yesterday, we changed a lot. So if it's dry tomorrow, then it will be, hopefully it worked because we still don't really know in these conditions. But I mean, <laughs> to be honest, it couldn't have got worse than yesterday. So I'm, I'm optimistic that tomorrow's setup is better than Friday's. Um, but I think, yeah, I'd, I'd, for my wish, I would either want full dry or like full wet, but um, when it's that in between, I think uh, like it was obviously in Q1, that's where we didn't have uh, didn't have much to show. All right, good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Daniel, Daniel. Don't look outside. Yeah, sorry, Daniel. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the television now, and pit lane is jam packed with folks. Looks like a normal Grand Prix. Just we're just an hour behind schedule, everybody. Just remember, we are now 28 minutes from the race. So if you're just tuning in. Uh, you will get to hear racing here shortly. In about 28 minutes, we shall start. And uh, this does give us a little time to talk about some things. This this week, you mentioned Vegas a while ago. Yeah. You talk about this event they're having coming up in this November. year. Yep. But, uh, but they released the start time this past week, and that is unusual because it's, it's 10 p.m. Vegas time. Pacific time, but it's 1 a.m. Eastern time, which coincidentally is the same time as Japan next week, I realized. So midnight for us here in Austin. So we got a midnight race start, 1 a.m. race start for Vegas next year. And I think the first thing that comes to my mind is that 10 p.m. Vegas time, that sounds about right. That's about what time Vegas yeah. gets going. That's <laughs> the time you want to go back outside again. Yeah, exactly. You need to go outside after you've Either yeah. lost all your money or drank too many drinks. You need to get outside. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I did see some comments like, well, that's not a great time. You're trying to grow the sport in the United States. Not a great time to start a race, you know, 1 a.m. Eastern. Well, you know, I mean, I agree. I agree. But but then, you know, that makes it, you know, 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. in U.K. It's more around there, so it might not be too bad. <laughs> and, of course, them. Them. We, them, yeah, and of course, guys, we are three weeks from the USGP right here in Austin, yeah, Texas. Buddy. I got Bob's hotels figured out. We got his flights. He's coming in. We're going to get to be doing the race in person. It's going to be very exciting. So we're very fired up about Austin in three. Oh weeks. my gosh! So uh, yeah, prices are uh, skyrocketing they're on the pretty, second market. They're pretty ugly. I'm assuming if you're listening and you're coming to the race, you probably already got all that taken care of. But yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty sky high, and the the news I heard coming out of Coda <laughs> is that they're expecting more than the four hundred thousand than they had last year. Right. The good news is, gentlemen, 
that the one of the biggest roads to get in and out of Coda that's always been a nightmare yeah. since for the last t- decade. It's been a little two lane road that goes from Coda out to the toll road, which is a massive, you know, which eight lane highway. That road has gone from two lanes to five lanes. And that's the road that approaches T11 back there. It's not yeah. the one where you come in. At the north T20. side of the track. Yeah. So, yeah, it's actually on the north well, side. Much, much better. Really does well. Um, and, you know, we there's a lot of parking out there even on the north side of that road. So Well, while we're on the subject of, uh, of travel... I, you need to tell me what time my jet is going to be ready for me that morning. And uh, I assume you've been down the checklist of my hotel needs, including the warm towels and all that sort of thing, John. Yes, only the, only green M&Ms. Yeah. That's all you want? Yeah, yeah. Your... yeah. <laughs> yes, Bob, we've thought so. Uh, Forget got... what the okay. champagne brand was, but yeah, you're right. You're right. No, yes, mm. we've gone down the full checklist, Bob. You're good to go. Uh, yeah, contract private details. Jet. Yes. <laughs> no, this is going to be exciting, gentlemen. We are going to have again. It's a huge, going to be a huge crowd here in, in Austin, and uh, you know, we, well, it, the usual. And of course, they've added some new bands. They've got Green Day and Ed Sheeran. But who are the new bands? Yeah, yeah. Interpol. The, uh, Interpol, not not one I know, but I'm getting calls from you know. Let's just say last minute, Charlie's. Last minute, Charlie's showing up. Hey, we're going to get tickets. We're going to get tickets. And I'm like, they are gone. <laughs> they are seriously gone. But you mentioned one the other day, and um, Ticket City, you said. Yeah. And that is a, uh, that's a third-party company here, or second, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, so that, you're, you're relegated some... to second market now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, I'm just looking on the television, see what's going on. We got Chris Medlin's out there. Where he, we're assuming he is getting us some interviews. I haven't seen any hit the inbox, uh, but but it's definitely dry right now. There hasn't been any rain now for a good good half hour. So uh, hopefully that track is drying up. But the uh, but the pit lane is definitely packed with folks. And uh, Martin Brundle's out there doing his thing, and I think he recognizes everyone because it's... <laughs> Poor Martin's never going to wear that. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, Martin. We don't mind that, when, especially when he's over here in the United States. He doesn't know everybody. I know he had a little trouble in Miami. But, but, uh, but let's talk a little bit about... We talked about this about an hour and a half ago when we first started, but let's talk about what happened in qualifying just one more time to give everybody a refresh because the big story of qualifying, of course, was Max Verstappen, who ended up having to abandon right at the at, at the wrong time. Uh, Leclerc was had, was on provisional pole, and Verstappen was way up in the middle of that lap, and then over the radio is box, box, box. And so apparently Max Verstappen's fuel was low, and so they made him abort a pretty what would have been a pole position again for Max, and and Bob, let's talk about the consequences you talked about earlier. But but for example, what would have happened had he gone ahead and stuck with that lap and then not had enough fuel when he got done? Well, if you don't, then you get excluded all of your times from qualifying for being uh, in violation of the rule requiring that one liter of fuel that, that they can then put through a, a gas spectrometer and and check the chemistry of your fuel against the homologated 
formula that you presented at the beginning of the season. So it's all part of the regulations. Lewis Hamilton, just a couple of seasons ago, lost, uh, I think he might have lost a pole position because he did not have enough fuel for a scrutineering check. Not that he had the wrong fuel, he just didn't have enough in there to meet the letter of the rules. So they don't mess around with that. Is it a bad move by the team, an oversight or a mistake by Red Bolt? They didn't have enough fuel in the car? I don't think so, because I think the previous lap, they weren't expecting Max to go that extra lap. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I think they they just cut it too fine. And when he did not claim pole with the one push lap, because the tires lasted, he went out for a second one. Or not went out. He stayed on track and uh, and went for a second push lap. And, and that was all it took. The, the fuel consumption was such that they did their numbers crunching and decided that he wasn't going to have enough fuel left in the car to meet the regulations. So as you said, just as he was coming around on the lap, they said, pit, 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 pit. And he went crazy, dropping all kinds of F-bombs and, you know, <laughs> why the whatever am I doing this and what the whatever is going on and on and on and on. And he sort of semi-apologized for it later on by saying, well, they can get mad at me and I can get mad at them and it's all fine because we're a team and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty abusive on the radio when they took his lap away. Yeah. And when we played a clip from earlier, he was talking about, they should have done that their, their fastest lap uh, a little earlier. And, and that would have implied that they had figured it out earlier because clearly they didn't figure that out till the last minute, but that would have been, a, a, you know, fly on the wall and, and listening to those conversations would have been interesting. Uh, we did get yeah. an interesting... Well, this is the kind of thing. Go ahead, Bob. It's the kind of thing that happens because it's a street circuit that exacerbated the whole situation because the track gets faster and faster and faster as the rubber goes down. And in qualifying, we had the additional problem of the dampness, the moisture on track and the track was drying as the session went on. And Max had every reason to think that he was, you know, half second up on everybody and he was going to take the pole. Uh, but then the team had to tell him to stop. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I'm laughing because uh, Drew just commented on YouTube about about your uh, private jet and uh, accommodations. I think he's had a peek into this. <laughs> he's had a peek into the Speed City accounting uh, <laughs> ledger because he said, he said, Barsha's going to get a pop-up camper and a porta john out in the field behind turn 11. <laughs> and that's going to be a little closer to what you were talking about private jet-wise, Bob. So yeah, yeah. maybe not yeah, quite they're that. Gonna, they're going <laughs> to fly me as far as Louisiana and then I'm walking from there. There you go. All that's right. what rednecks do. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. But. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get our last break in because when we come back, we're going to take you straight all the way through to the race. Hopefully we're here from Chris Medlin. Hopefully he's got an internet connection. But if the crowd is any indication, he may not. So, all right, listen to Speed City back after this. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, expecting to hear racing, uh, we've had an, about an hour delay, and so we are about 15 minutes from the start of the race. And stick with us, because we're going to go straight through commercial-free to the start of the race. And uh, speaking of the start of the race, we got 
Uh, Charles Leclerc on pole, and if the producers got that Charles Leclerc interview ready, I want to uh, I want to play Charles Leclerc because he did look pretty excited after that, and yeah. you know you'll take him however you can get him. So let's hear from uh, Charles Leclerc. Uh, well, that's obviously very special to hear that. On the other hand, we need to win more races on the Sunday, so uh, that's where our focus will be. Uh, it's uh, it's great to be on pole, but. Uh, um, but yeah, again, we've got uh, to finish the job tomorrow. And uh, but to be honest, I'm, I'm happy because Friday, yesterday, have been a very difficult day. Very few laps because of some technical issue on the car. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with today. How much did you learn, kind of overnight into today, make the changes that I know conditions couldn't really check out? But heading tomorrow, this circuit, it's not as easy as it is to overtake a Monza. So you should have a better chance in your keeping them behind. Yeah, but I, I don't want to rely on the fact that it's just harder to, to, uh, uh, to overtake. I, I really hope that we can also show that our performance is very strong because it's been the case all weekend. So, um, uh, yeah, I'll rely on pace and obviously here it's a bit more difficult to overtake. But uh, I feel like tomorrow is going to be a tricky race, obviously, with, um, with the rain uh, probably and uh, track drying up, drying up very, very quickly. So it should be an exciting race. Um, but, yeah, we'll try to use that. Okay, Leclerc's got a future as a weatherman. He, there you predi- go. he predicted the rain. He said rain, probably. So there you go. Hey, let me uh, give out the phone number. We've got a few more minutes if anybody wants to call and give their opinion. It's 512-643-5483. And uh, uh, we've got one more interview that we want to play because Mr. Pierre Gasly uh, gave some interesting insights. So let's hear from Pierre. Hey, Pierre. Um, what was it like out there? Because I know the car... It was fun. It was definitely a lot of fun. Um, no, it was tricky. It was tricky, you know, arriving uh, in these conditions at such speed, 300 kph. You don't really know how damp it is. You don't know how wet, where you should break. Um, there's a lot of instinct and a lot of uh, feeling inside the car. So you you got to be very alert. And uh, I must say, I really enjoy these conditions. A um, couple of big snaps, a couple of big moments, but it keeps your heart rate high. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very good quality for us. Two cars in the top ten, and looking ahead to tomorrow, I know it's a different day and everything changes. The longest race of the season, usually. Were you expecting? Um, you know, we clearly didn't expect to be in the both cars in top ten today. So hopefully tomorrow we can do another unexpected uh, result and um, and score some big points. I think we know how important it is to get the track position on this track. Uh, dry, we we're struggling a lot. Uh, damp and wet, we seem to have a lot more pace. So. We'll, we'll hope for these conditions. And, um, yeah, from where we start, clearly the points are, are the target. There you go. There it is. All uh, right. Let's see what we got. There's a couple of celebrities out there. There's somebody named Will I Am, and he has 12 million followers on Twitter, and I have never heard of him. Apparently, he, uh, Black Eyed Peas? Okay. Black yes. Eyed Peas. Yeah, he's a front man. Yep. Okay. Well, I know the Black Eyed Peas. I just didn't know. And he turns up, William shows up at, at a bunch of races during the course of the year when he can. So he's he's a true blue fan, not one of these folks who show up just to, you know, kick tires and get on TV. He seems to know what he's looking at. Oh, that's cool. He's a true fan then. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else. So here we are, round 17 uh, of, uh, <clears throat> of the season already. And... Max Verstappen clearly has this thing wrapped up. We were talking earlier in the show about that it's, it's probably, you know, mathematically, if, I mean, I guess Stranger Things it could happen today, but right. he, 
he could win, and he would have to. Uh, there have to be some things happen. Bob, do you have those permutations at your fingertips on how Max Verstappen could win this championship this weekend? Well, the way the numbers fall, 25 points for a win, 18 for second, 15 for third, and so on, <clears throat> Max has to win the race, and his nearest pursuers have to be in certain positions. Um, Sergio Perez needs to be fourth or worse, in other words, off the podium, and Charles Leclerc has to be seventh or worse, since he's the nearest rival to, uh, to Max Verstappen. So he can do it, but it's looking like a bit of a long shot at this point. A uh, bit of a long shot, but you never know. So um, we now, it looks like we've got Chris Medlin back connected, and he's asking, did we get any interviews out? Yes, we got the uh, Mario Isola, Chris. Um, did you have any others that, uh, we just saw some other ones that just hit. Are you, uh, how's your microphone, Chris? Are you there? I am indeed. Uh, I'll tee one up if uh, I'm yeah. not putting anyone under too much pressure, but I managed to grab a chat with Toto Wolf walking from the Merck garage up to the second row because he's got one car starting from the pit lane and one starting um, right at the sharp end. So I had a quick chat with him to find out why George actually took that power unit penalty and uh, his hopes for Lewis in this race. All right. Well, uh, Casey, the producer, is feverishly typing away on the keyboard, getting Toto Wolf's interview ready, and he's got it. Let's hear from Toto. Toto, take three because you're a very popular man on this grid, but you're walking from George's car in the Mercedes garage up to Lewis's car on the second row. Are conditions good for your win hopes, or would you prefer to have been dry? Uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting one because it's so slippy. When you, when you touch the ground here with the shoes, it's like on ice. Well, I mean, in these conditions, though, Lewis looked very quick yesterday. I mean, can he take the fight to Sergio and Charlotte front? Uh, yeah, I think so. This is more about keep, uh, staying on track um, than, than ultimate speed. So I think he's in a good place. He likes the tires at the, on the outlaps now, and uh, he can drive on this, in these conditions. Uh, and what can George do from the pit lane? Was, was that a calculated gamble that it was going to rain and he thought, take a penalty and see what happens? Uh, no, we had a little, uh, a little reliability issue that we needed to get on top anyway, so we decided to change the, uh, change the engine. Can you reach the points, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Good luck today. Thank you. Yeah, okay, Chris. Um, how, how did he seem? Did he seem confident when you were talking to him? Mm, quietly. Um, I wouldn't say overly. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of trepidation on here. And actually, uh, there's a couple more team bosses I managed to speak to in that time as well, Gunter Steiner being one of them, um, who I don't know if Casey can cue him up yep, quickly. He's, he's got uh, it. He was uh, also uh, a little bit uh, nervous, even though Haas was starting in some good positions. Oh, I'm getting abuse already for good. Uh, sorry, have I not been down enough recently? What? No, I, I don't know. I, I think you have been hanging out on the pool in, uh, in the hotel. Yeah, I've not, not been working at all this weekend. But you've been doing a lot of good work this weekend. You've got a car starting in the top ten. Are these conditions good for you or bad for you? Uh, I, it's good for us to be at 9 and 12. But uh, it's with conditions like this, it's a little bit, you cannot predict what will happen, you know. So you just need to, try, to stay as calm as possible, do the best you can. And, uh, you know, and then something will happen, you know. But uh, you cannot say I'm going to do this, that and the other. It's just like unpredictable with, with the conditions like this. Yeah, I mean, but you did perform well in them yesterday. The team made the right calls. The drivers did a good job with it as well. So are you confident that these are probably better than if it had been dry? 
I mean, as you said, yesterday was a very good day for us, but we have to repeat it, you know, so I, I don't know, but uh, I'm confident we can do a good job, but all the other ones will do a good job as well, so I, have, I hope they, they are not doing as good job as us. Well, it's, it's not been the easiest time, though, for you at recent races, or even the sort of second back end of the season, so how nice is it just to be right in that mix for points from the very start this weekend on, on a challenging track? Yeah, it's good to be here, you know, that is it's exciting for the team, I mean, we know that we can do it, and that's the most important thing, so to keep always keep pushing. Well, because you told me that I haven't been down enough, I'll come and find you after the race to find out about your next drivers next season. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Chris. You obviously got a nice relationship with Mr. Steiner. He, he told me to spend less time by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Chris, you caught up with uh, Andreas Seidel of uh, uh, McLaren, right? I did indeed, yeah. He was the other one I grabbed. Um, they've got a, they're a bit like Mercedes, aren't they? They've got a, a race of two halves with one driver at the back and, and one at the front. Um, and I asked him about the sort of the procedures and if it affected anything with the delayed start. Andreas, a bit late to the plan, but we're finally in the grid. Uh, firstly, what does that do for your procedures or for the team? Does it make it more challenging having this delay? Uh, not really, because we saw it coming already that there's a chance of a delay, so... And it was just important to stay cool, calm and collected, which I think we did as a team. And now it's just about being back in the normal routine and uh, hopefully execute a clean race uh, operationally. It must be highly stressful right now, though, knowing that you've just got to read the track conditions from the drivers, but they might change again over the next 30 minutes. What sort of discussions are going on? How do you make a call on which tyre to start on or, or how to approach the race? Yeah, obviously after these laps of grid now, the drivers have an initial idea of uh, what the right tyre choice would be. A lot of conversation obviously now ongoing between the engineers and the drivers, combined with the weather forecast as well that we are chatting. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully we make the right decisions. And in case it stays dry and doesn't rain anymore, uh, obviously then the crucial bit will be when it's the right time to switch. We have seen yesterday it wasn't that straightforward because it's quite a, yeah, an interesting track surface here with different parts of the track which have been uh, resurfaced where it takes actually quite a long time to dry up compared to the rest of the track so uh, yeah tricky to find the right balance between obviously taking the risk and go early but at the same time you want to make sure you finish the race as well so let's see yeah, and we're stood behind Lando's car here on the third row. A good qualifying performance from him yesterday. Realistically, in these conditions, does that open up a chance to maybe get an even better result, or are you just trying to stay out of trouble? <laughs> no, I think we have two different races. On Lando's side, obviously, we would like to avoid any complications because, as you said, I think P6 was a good achievement for us yesterday. Thanks to a great lap from Lando because we struggled a bit with pace all weekend. Uh, so I would be happy if we can finish in, in this area. Um, and on Daniel's side, obviously, it's a different story. We're starting further back. There, obviously, we hope opportunities, which you always get in such conditions, and hopefully that helps us to move forward. And just funny, a lot of upgrades on the car this weekend. How have they looked? Yeah, they worked as, as expected. Again, it's difficult to read uh, in, in the absolute detail because it's a specific track here, and we've struggled overall a bit with the performance of our package, old and new. So I would say so far so good. Happy with achieving P6 yesterday, which is good. But uh, let's wait and see for more normal tracks to come. Um, what it actually we get out of this uh, package. Yeah, we'll see how it goes in the future. But good luck today. Thank you for your time.
Ah, fantastic job, Chris. I know you're back in the media center, so you can't be uh, super loud, but what uh, what's it looking like? I mean, is it looking like that it, uh, the sky's a lighter? Or, I said lighter because you can't see, but what like radar, and does it feel like there's no, not going to be any more rain or not? No, I think we're going to be okay on that front. You're right. I'm just here annoying everyone. Uh, I try not to broadcast from in here because everyone's trying to focus on writing and have their train of thought, but we've actually got a great view over the, the start-finish line and the grid um, from the media centre in Singapore. It's one of the better ones, so right above the uh, Mercedes pit box where uh, George Russell will head out off to go and start from the end of the pit lane in a bit. But I think we'll stay clear. Um, you know, Andreas Seidel did seem to hint that you know, maybe there might be a little bit around that they're going to keep an eye on, but uh, I think we're going to be okay. So as, as Mario Isla said, if, then the target is kind of picking that crossover uh, and making sure you don't go too soon because yeah, it's not like it will just be one or two laps where it's the right time or the wrong time. There's, there's probably quite a wide window where you could have four or five, six laps where you're struggling if you go too early on the, onto slicks. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, fascinating to see like who gets that call right and wrong because that could really turn this race around. And one driver I think he was absolutely rubbing his hands with glee right now is Max Verstappen because he said yesterday he wanted a wet race so he had a better chance to overtake cars and come through the field. He looked so quick in the wet. Um, he looked like he was going to be on pole by Mars anyway. But uh, if it had been dry, he was going to really really did think he was going to struggle to get to the podium, uh, unlike the races that he came through and won from first. It's wet. That's opened up chances for him, and, and he's really happy with that. Okay, well, we're down to about a minute and a half, so I want to get your predictions, everybody. I'm going to start with you, Les. I want to get your predictions for the podium, but I also want to get your prediction. Who will be the first on slicks? <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Leclerc, Ham, Max. Okay, that's your podium? Yep. Okay. And who's the first on slicks? Uh, I'm going to say Ham's going to go for it. Okay. All right, Bob Varshov, let's hear your predictions. Um, I'll say Verstappen, uh, Leclerc, Hamilton, and the first to go on slicks will be um, Lance Stroll. Okay. That was a, that's who was first in qualifying. All right, Chris Medlin, quietly, what's your predictions in first on slicks? I'm going with the same as Bob with uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Hamilton. But I'm going to go with Russell taking the uh, the first gamble from the back of the field. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah, that's I, a good choice. I'm going to shake. I'm going to shake it all up because it's a wet race. We don't know what the heck's going to happen. I'm going to say uh, Alonzo Hamilton signs and first on slicks, Mick Schumacher. How about that, boys? All right, we're, we are out of time. But remember, uh, stay right here for the race on Sirius XM Channel 81. And then after the race, we have our full one-hour post-show with Bob Varsha and Chris Medlin with more interviews and everything. And so stick with us, and we'll talk to you after the race.